Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Supermercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. It's time once again for another episode where we focus on an installment in the East series. This yeah. is one of our favorite series of video games and game music. It is. Um, and it is a series of RPG games that we were actually not familiar with before we started this podcast. So the cool mm-hmm. thing about, I think, our relationship to the East music is that not to say it's objective, but it's entirely 100% based not on <laughs> how we feel about the musical compositions because neither of us have experience playing the games and it's also it's like you know i didn't play many of the final fantasy games but still you grow up with it in the popular culture you have an awareness of like chocobos and yeah when i first heard the east one and two music on the pc88 i had no idea that it was fairly beloved and popular and there's a lot of people that liked this music i just thought it was some obscure japanese game and i was so excited about it and then when i dove in more i was like okay you know this is actually well known for the music but yeah, in any case, th- I'm excited today because this is a title that we've loved. We've loved the music of this for years, but I think it's kind of an underappreciated title in the series. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that might not be familiar as much with this music. Today, we're going to focus on the Super Famicom entry, East 5, Lost Keffin, Kingdom of Sand. It's an interesting score. Now, the crediting we do have on here, we have Meiko Ishikawa, Naoki Kaneda, Satoshi Arai, and Atsushi Shirakawa. Now, I can't speak to how many um, Ishikawa tracks there actually are on the score or if it's stuff that was reused. I do know right. that Naoki Kaneda was the lead composer, and if I'm not mistaken, composed most of the tracks on our playlist. So we'll keep that in mind today. But yeah, one thing that I find interesting about East 5 is it has maybe the least amount of specific East identity to the music. A lot of this music just kind of sounds like, I don't want to say run-of-the-mill JRPG music, but very inspired by by series like Final Fantasy. So it's possible people were disappointed that it was maybe losing its own identity. I think the thing that's interesting is, I think even if you just said Super Famicom you know, East game, th- there is a little bit of a contradiction in terms because when I think of East, I think of the PC 88. Yeah, I me think too. of that FM kind of Genesis sound, biting, rocking. And even when you think of some of the later or more recent entries in the series, that musical aesthetic is what they're going for often. The kind of this is rock not a rocking energy. score. <laughs> and I think what's, yeah, what's Sorry, interesting everyone. about this is it's more in the context of JRPGs on the Super Nintendo, which is kind of its own idiom. But I think that's what's exciting because the E-Series has always had glimmers of, um, you know, the, the medieval melodic writing that maybe we associate with kind of high fantasy and, uh, kind of the RPG of the era soundtrack. So I do think they it went works all really well <laughs> and blends in the series. But yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to focus on a Super Nintendo East game because I think that's not what a lot of us associate with this series. Well, what you guys heard playing in was Foresta Village. And it's funny, even that title, I don't want to say it sounds cliche, but it's just there's something run of the mill about at least that title. And and I will say some of the music that didn't make today's episode uh, might have felt a little bit more stock 
or textbook. However, I will say there are some outstanding melodies in the score and just some great music that deserves to be celebrated. So really happy to do this episode today. Uh, Will, are you ready to just dive into more East music? Let's do it. Okay, let's move on to kind of the overlude, the prelude of this game. One of the main themes, and I know that this was a piece that was composed by Naoki Kaneda. We'll keep that in mind. This is Lost Kingdom Part 2. You guys are listening to Lost Kingdom Part 2, and if you listen to the score in order, uh, there's Lost Kingdom Part 1, which didn't make our episode today. It's a great piece. And then there's this Part 2 kind of setting up the emotional style that you're going to hear in the score. And this definitely lets you know the vibe of the score. Very melodic, very beautiful, more in common with other RPGs on the Super Nintendo than necessarily previous Ease games, in my opinion. Uh, this is the same year, 1995, that Chrono Trigger came out. And so, yeah, there's there's some similarities to that score here and there. But in any case, a beautiful melody, a beautiful way to start out this episode. It makes me think, like a lot of Final Fantasy music does, of Ennio Mor- Morricone uh, in right. that sort of like 60s film music sound where it's very melodic, but mm-hmm. not necessarily always you know, this giant old fashioned symphonic orchestra. It's sort of like the birth of this more hybrid kind of sound where Mm -hmm. the kind of pop and rock music sounds of the day are mixed with, a, um, you know, the more old film music style. And I think a lot of Japanese game composers were very influenced by that composer in particular, but also just that period um, particularly just how melodic it is. Oftentimes this is a wonderful like melody. solo instruments and the, the arrangement of this, the harmonic choices, the melodic gestures, it has that sort of Western connotation. Western not is in like America, but like the genre of a Western of this yeah. kind of a melody that's both folk and also a little has like a heroic quality to it. It's sort of modal. It's that timeless thing where it's really nice both old and new at the same time. I remember this on, what was it, the East Part 2 episode that was still way back on our season one when we focused on basically <laughs> East 3 and onward. Mm-hmm. And I remember we, we played this on that episode. It's a really beautiful start to this game. Well, let's keep going. We got some great music to play for you today. Let's move on to Freezing Shadow, again from East 5. <laughs> 
You guys are listening to Freezing Shadow. This is from East 5. And again, the lead composer is Kaneda. We also have at least credited here Ishikawa, Arai, and Shirakawa. Now, this is a piece of music, Will. I, I'm curious if you agree with me. This is, a, this is a solid piece of music, but it's so influenced by Final Fantasy, in particular Final Fantasy VI, to me. Right. This is a year after that game came out. Um, it's not that it's not valid. It, it is its own piece of music. It's a strong piece, but... It just feels like it almost fits more in the Final Fantasy series. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, man. I think it has that mysterious uh, orchestral quality that uh, mm-hmm. I think we associate with games like, you know, Final Fantasy and Chrono Trigger, Secret of Mana, that thing where it's less about the groove, it's less about the rocking energy, and more about setting up an atmosphere and a mood, the sort of chromatic progression that has a yeah. quasi-jazz feeling. I mean, we've talked about this before. It's almost like the James Bond progression when you're in a minor key and you kind of have that fifth scale degree that goes to the flat six and then the natural six and then back down the... Da, 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it, so there's a lot of... It makes me think of forest music and things like that. But also I think just hearing these instrumental colors, these samples of the Super Nintendo in yeah. this kind of composition, it is going to make us think of JRPG music. And I think these are the types of gestures and sounds that you and I try to evoke, you know, if we're making like an In Days of Old track or um, in cases when we've worked on game projects that are evoking this very sound i think there is this sort of like it's something specific but it's also kind of broad i think there's just a quality to using these instruments on the super nintendo that it doesn't take much for it to evoke our sort of nostalgia and our associations with the other thing and that's part of the thing that i think is just fun about getting into video game music because if you grew up playing games and liking game music there's going to be so much stuff you haven't heard of that will give you an instant yeah, it's feeling true. of and nostalgia more of a good thing is is a good thing i mean i don't want to rail against this track i just find it interesting and i wouldn't be surprised if there are some people out there that when they listen to the east five soundtrack like uh it, it's kind of just maybe generic or at least for the east series it's maybe losing track of what was special about it so i understand that I don't necessarily agree, but I understand that. Uh, now, what's cool is Naoki Kaneda, he's a great composer that had worked on other Falcom titles in the Brandish series, apparently also in East 4, um, Legend of Xanadu, a lot of other good games, even even some recent games like uh, East Memories of Celsita, apparently uh, he was credited to. So kind of a longtime composer. But let's move on here. What do we got next on the playlist? We have a piece called thieves of brotherhood this one is very exciting and funky here we go
You guys are listening to Thieves of Brotherhood. This is kind of a, a quirky piece on the score. It's one of the few tracks that goes for, I guess I would say, more of a modern, smaller ensemble sound. Not rock. This one's more funk, I would say. Um, but yeah, there's actually not a lot of pieces that have this sound, and so it's kind of a quirky track. It's really fun. Very 80s and 90s kind of silly but uh i'm a fan of it this is thieves of brotherhood well i just like thinking about these very medieval high fantasy characters walking into a casino or a nightclub (laughs) right hearing that because it's just such a stylistic departure it's not at all what uh you'd expect casinos always sounded like this (laughs) no i don't know if this is a casino but yeah i mean the samples they're using the kind of idiom but what a great piece of music i mean so funky and fun i I can't speak to its context i imagine it's really fun if they can get away with using this in a way that works in game how awesome to have Mm -hmm. such a versatile soundtrack but what a great composition i love the melody i love the kind of bluesy soloistic final section before the the brass instruments great Um, i love the b section melody it makes me yeah. think of like street fighter 2 like it has this really classic i don't know sound that makes me think of yeah. Yoko Shimomura. <laughs> it's just really melodic it and catchy yeah this is like talk it's about a, a hidden gem this is the definition of like a hidden gem because it's like sounds like something we ought to be nostalgic for yet it's buried yeah. in this very unexpected place that is kind of how I feel about a lot of this music today. So really, really cool stuff. Okay, let's move on. Uh, This one is going more for the traditional sound that you're going to hear in this game. I'd say it's a little bit more of that kind of sad orchestral folk world music sound. So let's take a listen to Misty Lake. pretty you guys are listening to misty lake a very similar tone uh, that was established in that lost kingdom kind of overture so i would say this is the most popular sound for the score most of the tracks kind of share this sound will if you would if you were to describe the sound that you're hearing in this track it's familiar to us we've heard it before for video game music but what are some other things to you that that come together to make this style i would say uh, a long line lyrical melody that's very simple 
to tug at the heartstrings. It's that blend of simplicity and complexity that's born out of two juxtaposed simple elements. So you have a simple melody mm-hmm. and a really simple chord progression. And simple, especially in terms of how it's voiced, just these kind of parallel triads moving, very diatonic at first, yet the, the melody um, holding that long tone yeah. gets juxtaposed with each one of those harmonies. So that complexity is born of the movement of two elements. That's something we hear in Japanese game music so much. It's part of what makes it appealing. It's like two really simple things things that when they're together become more than the sum of their parts uh and also that what i also think of is sort of like jrpg impressionism a lot of yeah. seventh chords occasional landing on the nine non-harmonic tones i love landing when the melody on the nine, lands on the nine arpeggios harp like dreamy passages strings yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think classic the, these are all techniques that i think we associate and i think also an underlying rhythmic drive too like when we have that sort of quarter note pulse being accented there's something about that that makes me think of like shinonagashima or it makes me think of chrono trigger or there's something about like a japanese composers um in a ballad where occasionally there will be this like quarter note pulse that gets emphasized that's For sure. it's not necessarily like getting even close to a groove or rocking or something but there is um, it's not forgetting about its responsibility to rhythmic momentum. It isn't purely just a wash of like Ravel, Debussy kind of sound and color. It's it, yeah, I know what uh, you mean. It's a nice it's very balance, measured. Yeah, it's not boring. Not to say that the <laughs> that other music would be boring, but yes, it's you're not gonna lose. Uh, lose your tension span with that music. Okay, now this is cool. This one embodies a little bit more of that filmic heroism that we get in a lot of JRPG scores. It's really good. This is Wind Night. You guys listening to Wind Night? I find this one very charming and cute. Actually, uh, it has a sense of excitement. It's very rousing. There's a kind of a march feel to it, and it overall is kind of going for like this filmic hero theme. But it's so busy, and the implementation is so adorable here. I mean, it's not it's not a big sound even for the Super Nintendo. It's this um, I don't know kind of smaller scale sound. So yes, it's exciting, but yeah, there, there's still this folkiness to it and, and maybe a busyness that 
you wouldn't get in a movie and so i find it very charming yeah it's very on the nose as they say like it's just it's so kind of cutesy and yeah. sweet at for what it's going for i mean that I yeah a very celtic dorian modal theme here that opening section is so uematsu i mean those it is weird chromaticisms those rhythms the sounds so the whole thing is very final fantasy but when the melody comes in uh it it sounds too jolly and too straightforward <laughs> to be uematsu. Um, it's it's, it's very funny. yeah. It's interesting. It almost is like it's getting quirky. into like almost like Kirby territory. You know, da, 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 <laughs> I know what you mean. Da, 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 it's so cutesy. Da, 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 yeah, it's da, like da, if da, there da, was da, Kirby da, film music for like an animated movie, this this would fit perfectly. Yeah, because it's heroic, but it's accessible. I I wonder who the Wind Knight is. I imagine it's a very huh. kind of gallant. I picture like a little wispy. I don't know, sprightly little character that yeah. floats and flies around like the Koroks from Zelda or something. Cause it's such <laughs> a cute, the way the, the one thing I don't like is I, I do like when they have the harmonized, yeah. but there's something towards the end of the loop where it does this like, da 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 and it's like harmonized. And it's just like, I know what you one mean. moment of really awkward harmony. Yeah. There, I have a feeling that was written as a single line and they just harmonized it for fun and they didn't really think much about it. Just, Oh yeah, I'll just put another one on. Um, and it, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Has It's a very quirky moment in an otherwise, also quirky piece <laughs> <laughs> well i'm looking at the playlist here and the next handful of tracks have kind of a similar world to them a similar sound to them i imagine they take place maybe in a similar part of the game a lot of gaelic stuff it's it's very fun though this is a track that has a similar tone to what we just heard this is good this is called crimson ruins You guys are listening to Crimson Ruins from East 5, and there's a lot to talk about with this one. Yeah, it's this score is weird because I had this experience when, when listening to it. There's moments where it feels like, oh, this is kind of cliche, 
uh, in a lot of different ways, but it's really good too. And it's really fun, appealing music that makes you smile. And so you kind of can't deny the charm of this music. Yeah, it, it does have that one, what I think of as an ease progression. It's like the anti Picardy third, where it's like it's major, it's so weird. that becomes minor. It's like, what's the backwards of Picardy? It's like id crip or something. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a very interesting progression, but that also makes me think of Uematsu. Just these quirky kind of chord moves that are unexpected um, in mm-hmm. an otherwise very kind of functional piece of music that's like melodic and structured and feels like a song. Um, yeah. It's these little moments, these little quirks that I think are so interesting to look at. Uh, moments of an unexpected chord, moments of a surprising melodic shift, changing a meter for one bar, things like this that are the earmark of what I think of as kind of like the the post-Beatles era of songwriting, where you have a lot of untrained musicians that are really talented and instinctual writing songs in breaking rules, but they're not always aware that they're breaking rules. And there's something so free and exciting about that that I think has absolutely yeah. had an impact I mean, on this, a lot of media music composers. This track is so interesting because it goes to so many places and it does break rules and it's quirky, but it's oddly catchy too and satisfying when it comes right. back to that loop. It is a very catchy melody despite the quirk. That's something that I'm really fascinated by is kind of doing unexpected or surprising melodic, harmonic, rhythmic gestures, but making it feel catchy. I I often think some of the most interesting writers, you could describe them that way. I mean, I think you could describe John Williams' melodies that way. We think of him as writing these classic tunes that we can all sing, but they're very quirky too. It's like part of what makes them memorable is they'll use these really large, unexpected leaps or, you know, in between... A, a very standard section of kind of open chord tones, then you'll have yeah, ba da ba ba some really weird chromatic, and it's like the blending of something quirky with something stable and satisfying. I think is really fun in music when you can feel like it's not just cookie cutter. You're not just getting. A, a stock sound that you've heard a thousand times. It's not as it's much like, depth with that. Yeah, there's rem- a reminiscence of music that you're familiar with, and you kind of know where it's going, but it's also keeping you on your toes. Yeah. I think we like that balance of being surprised and being kind of comforted by music. For sure. Well, at least musically, we're staying in the same world for this next piece. Uh, we're in the Dorian mode again, but this piece has some elements that reminds me of Uematsu's compositional style. It's it's a catchy piece of music. It's one of my favorites actually from East 5. Let's take a listen to Charged Trial.
You guys listening to Charge Trial. I'm excited to talk about this one. Will, what are some of the things you're hearing in this? What does it maybe remind you of? Stylistically, what what are some possible influences? It's so Japanese-y, uh, and it's reminiscent of, those, of a lot of music. This is one of those pieces of music that it's so good, it almost makes you want to laugh because yeah. it's like... Man, it sounds like a piece that, yeah, is doing a caricature of so much great video game music. First of all, the use of the Dorian mode in this scalar, quirky (laughs) way, landing on these... We've heard it a lot, and we're going to still hear more of it today. (laughs) That that sense of quirky and playfulness in an otherwise kind of battle music um, energy in this kind of action-oriented composition... It's so RPG because I think it's that blend of the cerebral because it's not literally combative. Uh, right. It's a little more making choices, yet there is a confrontation. So I do think that's really effective. I also think these composers are just very influenced by other JRPGs, particularly Uematsu. This yeah. whole oh composition feels like it was written for a demo reel to get hired by Squaresoft. Like, I would I mean, agree. And then that B section using the five finger fanfare. There's like, it's a brilliant composition. It's really great music. It's satisfying. It has a great kind of release. The end of the melody is so strong. It's really well executed. Mm -hmm. Yet it does feel, I don't want to say stock because I'm not saying that writing (laughs) this is easy. There's an element. It's definitely like. Yeah, it feels like something that would be written now as a parody of well, you know game what? music. My experience with the score, there's so many pieces in the score that are more than the sum of their parts. Like, yes, there's elements to this that we've heard before, whether it's an homage or cliche, whatever. But the the overall experience is so satisfying. It's just pleasing music, and it's music that really entertains you. And going through the whole score, I mean, there's a lot of tracks that I cut that are still really solid, and it was a really enjoyable process to whittle the soundtrack more than it usually is. So that's definitely something that should be said. All right, guys, we're excited to move on to this week's Track of the Week. This is a beautiful piece of music, one of my favorite melodies in the game. Uh, to me, it's one of the standouts. Um, I think this is a character theme. I don't know the context in the game, but the name of the piece is Nina from East 5. Here we go.
absolutely classic, absolutely beautiful. I love this piece of music. It feels like an all-time classic, and the fact that it's not, I don't think East 5, even if you're an East music fan, it's not one you think of right away. It should be a classic in any case. Now, this is Nina, and it's spelled N-I-E-N-A, so I'm saying Nina. And this is another piece that I know for a fact is composed by Naoki Kaneda. So great job, Kaneda-san, on this piece of music. It's really beautiful. This was released in 1995, and I think that's impressive. This reminds me of so many later JRPG character themes to come. So, yeah, this is really influential stuff. Yeah, this is just gorgeous. What a melody. I mean, it it is one of those melodies where the first time you hear it, you feel like you've known it all your life. Yeah, it's like, Um, oh, you again. It's giving you a hug like you've missed it for years. Harder to do than than, uh, you might imagine. Uh, It's very difficult to write uh, an effortless melody, a melody that feels classic like that. I'm not saying that this is, you know, the greatest tune that's ever been written or the most original um, but it has but a timeless it's quality. It's incredibly well structured, well composed, and this harmonic progression uh, is doing so many little tools that give us a, a certain kind of emotional feeling that I think we associate with this genre. Um, and a lot of that has to do with a lot of these diatonic minor chords, but the occasional borrowing from Dorian. So the yeah. whole thing isn't in Dorian, but then, you know, it's these little moments where it's uh, adding the spice to the recipe right yeah exactly occasionally getting the dorian moment and then cadencing to the one major uh uh which you hear the picardy third yeah but then going back to minor um and then certain moments like you have the sound of the the five major chord at one point um but it's then followed by the flat six chord that kind of thing where to me it's the sound of like the the uh like if let's say if um you're in e flat for instance and then you have Mm -hmm. a g7 chord that kind of sound you get the effect of that because even though the song is in minor um there's that like little moments of chromaticism little moments where uh because for for most of it it's all very diatonic very simple almost pentatonic kind of melody i know what you mean will these little moments they peek out and they what they do is they add to the emotion to me i don't know if you agree but they add a little complexity and depth this is a very emotional piece of music and if it was just strictly diatonically minor it would be pretty and it would be emotional but it wouldn't have the depth yeah, and there's a lot of little moments like that. Like for instance, because we set up that it's just kind of Aeolian natural minor, ya da 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 da, ya da da, where we get that major four chord. It's like, oh, that's so bright and hopeful, but it's yeah. not always that way. And you know, we get that five chord being major. I think only once in the whole form, but it's a really powerful moment. And it's the kind of thing where if you had a different progression, if it was just sort of like you know C minor to G seven it would feel so stock and so expected it it, that same chord in the same key wouldn't have the same effect there's something about when you really constrict your elements when you when you set up a world of diatonicism every note out of place suddenly means so much more which is one of the reasons why i think sometimes composers that start getting into like 
jazz harmony or extended harmony, they kind of over egg the cake. They just want to throw spice in every moment. And what I think happens when you do do that (laughs) is you become desensitized to it. So the flat six no longer means anything. You hear the minor four chord. It's not a big moment where if you're otherwise in a diatonic space every chromatic pitch suddenly contrast right yeah i mean it's about so much more meaning behind it well this is an absolute classic for the podcast it's really fun it's a great example of what the dorian mode is and we've used this in previous episodes before to demonstrate that so this is a really good piece it's stormy town from east five Such a jam. You guys are listening to Stormy Town, a very quirky and charming piece of video game music with a capital V. It's cool. Uh, there's a lot of desert locations in this game based on the titles here. Uh, but this, I don't know. It sounds like it should be in a desert, but it's called Stormy Town. So that is always a little throwing me off. But it's such a classic piece of music for our podcast. It's such a cool combination because you have those maybe stereotypical ethnic elements uh, the use of the mode and also some of those ornamentations but with the reggae groove is definitely a surprising choice not one that you typically would hear and so yeah it's a little bit more depth and contrast to this piece as well it's yeah there's so a much lot of uh mode mixing modal interchange that's what this whole track is about i mean at the beginning we very clearly hear that dorian sound that's why we use it in our yeah. episode and what a catchy melody i just adore that but so as good. we get into the later sections then it's like it sort of negates that dorian sound goes back to a darker more flat minor and then we cool even get harmonies. borrowing from the phrygian mode but it's again mixing it because now it's like okay the tonic it's it, i'm just going to pretend we're in c because i don't have perfect pitch but let's say it's in c minor or c dorian but then now i'm hearing a c major chord and then we go to like d flat the flat two and then there's like a b minor seven but then mm-hmm. back to c major it's all this mode mixing where for a second it feels phrygian and then for a second it's dorian well, it's and- even more impressive because of how short this piece of music is it's it's the shortest track today on the it's the shortest on the whole playlist really <laughs> um and so it does actually a lot of that in a really short amount of time it's really impressive i imagine the composers aren't thinking about like what mode could i use next so much of it just has to do with color and it's that idea of chromaticism being given context it's you set up this chord that's major and now it's minor and it has a different mood uh and the the willingness to kind of not just pick you know the okay i'm writing in b flat so these are the chords i can use in b flat it's like the ability to use your ear to listen for colors and also letting the melody dictate its own trajectory and then harmonizing it based on well what color do i want to give okay now this note is landing on a a flat 
well, you know, I could do an A flat major and also chord, just, or I could do a. It's so impressive because it's fun to analyze, and you can go under the hood. But it's also just fun to listen to for anybody. Yeah. It's just a fun piece of music. I love the ornaments. It's so kind of almost cliche, but I also love how it grooves. It reminds me a lot of I forget which character theme it is in Chrono Trigger. I think it's like Frog's theme, or there's one of there's another there's a song in that game that yeah is like a character theme that's kind of groovy like this so i love yeah, the I mixture know of that like medieval folk sound with a kind of groove that has a more like funky connotation yeah this particular piece stormy town was composed it looks like here uh by satoshi arai so that's a composer i would like to check out more of their style okay we're still in a little bit of a desert area of the game apparently because this next piece is called desert climb c-l-i-m-e let's take a listen You guys are listening to Desert Climb, and there's so many tracks that talk about sand or desert, and it's because the entire area of this game, I believe, is a desert or, or some place with sand. I mean, it's called the Kingdom, Lost Kingdom of Sand, and so uh, that kind of feels like a really important influence for the musical direction. I mean, there's definitely evoking the feeling of a desert, I think, in a lot of this music. Uh, and this this track is another quirky one. I mean, the melody is kind of weird, but again, it works. Yeah, it's another one that is, again, in this sort of idiom that we've established. I mean, the sound of the tambourine makes me think Zelda, like Lost Woods. Right. Uh, and th- but I love how orchestral it is with it going for that, like, suspended cymbal roll uh-huh. into these big moments. Um, it, you can tell it's going for a big kind of epic film music sound, which I think is part of the fun i'm glad that they didn't just try to do the old stock ease sound because one of the advantages of the super nintendo is you know for the first time you could score your game like a movie and make it sound orchestral and big and full and i'm glad that they wanted to take advantage of some of those musical techniques yeah me too because something like this wouldn't be as effective on the genesis and also i just don't think they would have gone for that on the system you know knowing that they had those channels and, and the, the tones that that sound chip produces, I just really don't see them even going for yeah, that. I mean, so, yeah, I think that's you play, part of it. You play to your strengths. You know, there's a reason why 
you know, the Cuphead score doesn't sound like this. I mean, it's like you write music to the ensemble that you're writing for. There's a reason that it's like the Mario Galaxy music sounds different than the Mario Kart 8 music. It's like there is this sense of you write for the players and you give them stuff that they're meant to do. These obviously aren't real players, but, you know, the Super Nintendo sounds a lot better doing stuff like this than it does doing something like Earthworm Jim or doing kind of like the stuff that always sounded kind of cool and funky and edgy on the Genesis just always ends up sounding kind of dumb and quirky and out of (laughs) tune on the Super Nintendo where like this orchestral stuff is just so dazzling and I think it activates your imagination. So a very thoughtful choice and one that a lot of composers did make in the 90s of kind of scoring SNES games in this sort of larger-than-life epic orchestral symphonic style. It's so fun. I'm excited to move on to this next track. It's also very exciting and very heroic. Let's take a listen to Break Into Territory. You guys listening to Break Into Territory. Kind of a silly title. Feels like it's missing a word. Which territory are we breaking into here? But yes, this is from East 5. And what's cool about this, as we approach the end, kind of the end of the episode, the end of the score, it's going to get a little more epic. And there's going to be a little bit more injection of classical music uh, in some of these tracks. And then there's one piece where it's going to go very far into that direction. So that's cool. Yeah, it feels like we're we're heading towards the climax, maybe. Yeah, there's a lot of... uh sense of that heaviness in the military march-like quality these yeah very um kind of stable consistent rhythms but accenting certain offbeats and stuff that's a you know in a very common yet kind of textbook style and battle music and film action music uh at least back in the day um I like the kind of how simple the arrangement is, honestly, that it's Me like too. oftentimes you just have that bass line and melody and not a lot of harmonic support. And um, the harmonic support gets implied by the kind of counterpoint between these elements. So once you get that counter melody, how that's working with the melody 
implies the harmony but we don't just have a bunch of pad held block chords. well yeah i mean i think this is a very solid piece if it is a battle track it's it's up there with with some great 16-bit battle themes very effective would work really well in the game it's not going to distract you but it's going to propel you it's going to motivate you and it is just a great piece of music that does stand up just for the listener so i'm a fan of it yeah, me too. I feel like I need a sip of coffee before we get to some of this <laughs> more activated music. Yeah, this will be a nice reprieve then for you, Will. This is something that's kind of different. It's a little darker, a little more mysterious. It's called Sand Castle. Here we go. You guys are listening to Sandcastle. It's a weird piece. If the scores of Super Metroid and Aladdin had a love child, it would be this. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to talk about in this. It's it's a quirky piece. It's kind of a standout piece. It's cool. It's very cool. I mean, to me, it works. Uh, some of the choices happening are kind of random, and I don't know how much intention was behind all of these choices, but overall, it definitely works for me. Yeah, I, I really like the A section. I like when it gets to these sort of parallel minor chords. There's some yeah. moments in there. But then the transition back to the form is That's not rough. very elegant. That's right. And I think yeah. part of it is they've key changed so far away that you kind of can't get back into it. Um, yeah. But I wish they would have found a solution that doesn't draw so much attention to, we're modulating. This is a big mm-hmm. major chord. Well, uh, and because one it just thing so is changes I don't know. I don't know if it's a full loop. It definitely does loop at that moment you're talking about, but I I think there might still be more material to come. So it's a kind of deceptively long form, I believe. But in any case, yeah, it's quirky. I mean, there's not, like I said, not every single choice you can kind of sign off on, but as a piece of music, it's evocative. It's interesting. And I think it would work really well in the background of the game, especially, you know, imagine, we talked about this last week, you know, imagine if you're a young kid, playing this game i mean this this is going to get your imagination just firing totally yeah i it's a very interesting quirky blend of harmonic choices melodic choices uh, evoking um world music but just very subtly uh it's it's filmic but 
doesn't make me think of any one person in particular. Yeah, I think yeah. the score is a lot more nuanced than it would seem just for how video gamey a lot of these choices are. But yeah, there's a lot of chances. There's a lot of harmonic daring. I mean, I think part of it is it just, it's so influenced by Final Fantasy. And Uematsu's music just often takes these kinds of interesting chances. And yeah, I think and, that's and again, what influences guys, this game the most. There are examples, and and maybe it more often is tracks that didn't make our episode today, but there are examples on the score where it feels like just this kind of soulless imitation of Uematsu, and there's not much on its own to, right. to really celebrate, but there's plenty of examples on today's episode where there's a lot to celebrate. So yeah, more than meets the eye to East 5 music. Okay, this is very beautiful. This is... A variation of the melody we heard in Lost Kingdom, one of the main themes of the game. It's a real tearjerker. Let's take a listen to Oasis. guys are listening to oasis and it's just a classic jrpg theme we heard it in lost kingdom and now we're hearing it again and it's just a, a real tearjerker it's so beautiful it's so simple um it's probably maybe for me the second strongest theme in the game uh just behind that nina theme but it's oh it's so pretty I love this. Yeah, this is gorgeous. This is definitely a standout. I love the rubato that's been programmed yeah. into that harp cadenza at the beginning. It's very much evokes Link to the Best. Yeah, no uh, question. But so gorgeous and um, well deserved, I think, to kind of set this piece up in such mm-hmm. a dreamlike way with that harp. It, again, it does what this soundtrack does best, which is kind of articulate in musical terms what we love so much about JRPG scores. The heartfelt yeah. melodic motions, the blend of diatonic and occasionally borrowed chords, but you know, it, a lot of that kind of classical meets jazz because it's we're not just dealing with triads here often there's the ninth often there's the seventh it's it's that attention to detail especially like when writing arpeggios that it's not just one stock template it's not yeah i know what you mean and then i don't know at least for me the experience listening to this melody 
it's such a knockout melody. It's so timeless and beautiful. And some people might disagree with me, but if this was in a more popular game that was released worldwide, I do think it would be a classic. It would be one of those character themes or location themes, ballads in any case, that would really stick with people and we'd be hearing it performed, you know, live to this day. It's just, yeah. it feels like a classic. I mean, I think imagine this with a beautiful solo violin, like uh, this piece with harp Ooh, and violin. Yeah. Just how gorgeous would that be? Even just piano and violin. I mean, it's like, it's a gorgeous melody. Make it's it really happen. Well composed. Internet. And you wouldn't have to change a single note. That's the other thing that I love is this composition. It's I'm all not going to say it's flawless because what does that mean? Music is subjective. Uh, but it's, you wouldn't need to change a piece. You wouldn't need to arrange this to make it idiomatic for something uh it's it's just a great composition Mm -hmm. beautiful melody really well written and well implemented too i like the attention to detail particularly at the beginning well we're moving into the end of the game i imagine and so we're going to get a little more intense a little more epic um and as we proceed we will hear again a little more classical influence injected here and there let's take a listen to battle against fate Outstanding piece of music. This is Battle Against Fate, another one that is composed by Naoki Kaneda from East 5. It's it's a standout for sure. Uh, you can hear a lot of emotion in this, and imagine you're, you're playing this game, and this, I think, happens near the end of the score, and so to me it feels like you're gearing up for the climax. It seems like there's a lot at stake. Uh, just listening to this, I feel like this sense of Kind of, I need to go out and do something important, so I can only imagine the context in game. If anybody knows the context of some of these tracks, drop us a comment. We'd we'd like to know. But yeah, this is great piece of music. I really like the rhythms of the opening melodic motif. Yeah, da 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 da. That it's a it's a strong strong. Shape. It's it's strong rhythm. The the mixture of duplet with triplet rhythms is very effective in this heroic context. You know, I don't think this piece succeeds as well as the previous one when it comes to the attention to detail in every aspect of the arrangement is kind of 
massage, but the overall effect of I this agree. is so strong. I think it's a great melody. I think it's a great composition. The, m mostly what I'm calling out is like that arpeggio that's just kind of so stock. I would have liked to have yeah. a little more um, shape to that or to give that line more personality so it's not just so functional. Because that yeah, is something yeah. that these composers have done at other points in the soundtrack where, I mean, we talked about it before where it's like that counter melody has its own unique idea and it tell and it informs what the melody is doing where this feels mm -hmm. a little bit kind of like you know the piece was written and it's like oh we need some more motion let me just add this idea and then we add this layer and you know that's a very valid form of composition um but it, it yeah it doesn't have that sort of like ready for prime time you could give this to an orchestra and it has all the detail that it that it necessarily it's needs. a very effective functional piece of music it's not one of my favorites in the score uh, i'm looking in the soundtrack here in the parentheses for this um battle against fate is keffin tower and so yeah i believe you're kind of approaching the end of the game is what it seems like to me all right let's move on this next one is called death spiral So, video gaming, you guys are listening to Death Spiral, and the official score, the parentheses here, is Leader's Battle. So, yes, we are listening to a battle theme from a JRPG game that was only released in Japan on the Super Famicom in 1995. Man, what a great era for fans of video game music. This is good. Certainly. There's so many daring harmonic choices here. Uh, you can tell it's influenced yeah. by film music and uh, john williams i mean it's like what we yeah. talked about before that quirkiness the unexpected note in a melodic line the unexpected chord a very sort of free-flowing chromatic sense of harmony that's accessible that's easy to follow but not contained within one key a lot of parallel triads uh you know this is just probably the most daring piece harmonically that we've heard so far and it fits for the yeah. end of the game I really love the uh, kind of contrary motion, particularly when we get to that really dissonant part where it kind of feels like all the rhythms are enforcing that line. I like that, um, you know, the top voice and bottom voice aren't always moving in parallel. Sometimes they're moving in yeah, opposite I like directions. That too. And it, it's uh, especially when you're willing to have this much 
harmonic daring, it almost seems like they were more concerned with the direction of the voices than what the chords were. So it's kind of like this voice is going to move up and this voice is going to move down and whatever harmonies come out of that, so be it. It doesn't matter how dissonant style. Yeah, I like that style of um, writing, especially when you're going for this emotion. If you don't really care as much about the specifics of the harmony, but that it's supposed to sound dissonant, that's a great way of making it sound kind of musical and intentional, um, yet having these really kind of dissonant moments. Moments. organizing it right i mean there's a lot of ways to organize a piece of music and even if you make a bold dissonant piece of music what you're saying is that how you organize it can really lead the listener on that journey right yeah totally because it's kind of like you anticipate where it's going before it happens yet where it goes is kind of upsetting it's not like <laughs> tuneful yeah. and melodic but when you set up that like this line yeah, is that's falling a cool one. and this line is raising Another hidden gem, I would say. Well, uh, we're definitely approaching the end of the game. Uh, The next track on our playlist is Crime and Punishment. And looking on the score here, parentheses is Final Event. All right, let's take a listen. Very cool. You guys are listening to Crime and Punishment. And I really like that they didn't do anything like this in the entire score until this climax, until near the end of the game. It really does feel like there's more weight uh, going for just the the church orchestra. It's almost like you have two church orchestras like playing together because there's some interesting panning happening. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really good. There is apparently one other battle, I think, in the game that happens after this. We're not playing that track on our episode today. But in any case, this is near the end of the game. It's very epic, very classical. It's well composed. Yeah, there's something about the minor Picardy that's like so unexpected. It's like such a letdown. (laughs) But yeah, what a great piece of music. Uh, It reminds me of the final battle in Mario 64, with that sort of Barokian organ counterpoint. Very also reminds me of some Final Fantasy VI one. music, too. Yeah, it's not really like a fugue. There's not tons of moving lines, but there's yeah, it's definitely... flirting with that sound. Yeah, it's it's evoking those connotations. We, there, cl- there is a clear melody in this composition, but there's a lot of busyness with how the accompaniment is broken up. I remember Marty calling that, you know, swivel chords when it's yeah. it's not exactly an arpeggio because it's not moving in one direction, but you break apart the harmony by playing two notes here and then two notes there, or two notes here, one note here. 
Um, and that exchange between more voices and less voices is uh, a, a very particular kind of keyboard technique in a lot of older organ music. And I think these composers do a great job of evoking that style and, and getting really into that sort of dark Baroque church idiom that feels yeah. heavy and um, kind of morose, so to speak. I, I think we have a lot of connotations with that. It's a, what a lot of the Castlevania music is trying to evoke, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, this doesn't have the sort of quirky fun of that, uh, but it's a really excellent composition. I like how much they commit to the style. Me too. There's something so effective about for a final battle or some final part of a game to just go to the church organ. I mean, there's a lot of games that do it and it kind of always works. It's it's kind of an easy choice now to do that, but you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, I suppose. Yeah. Can you believe that this piece of music is in the same soundtrack is that Thieves of Brotherhood track? <laughs> Thieves of Brotherhood. The, like go back Night everybody. Club music. It's just Yeah. Only yeah. in video games <laughs> would you get that diversity. I mean, certainly. And, and also, like, I wouldn't go out of my way to say East 5 is, is like, the most diverse score, too. There's other scores that are a lot more diverse than this. But it does have those standout tracks that are so different. And anything is, is acceptable. Any style is allowed for these kinds of games. And I just love that. I mean, there's, there's so much possibility here. 100%. Okay, the last track on our playlist, other than our playout, is a very pretty romantic piece it it might not be composed by Meiko Ishikawa. I don't know. I can't remember who composed this one. But it reminds me of older kind of romantic themes in the East series. I like this track. It's called Odds and Ends. <laughs> Simple, short and sweet, and beautiful. You guys are listening to Odds and Ends from East 5. The name of this game, one more time, it was released for the Super Famicom, is East 5 Lost Keffin Kingdom of Sand. Oh man, this is a really good score and I'm glad we were able to spotlight on it. I do think it's slightly underrated. It's not one I hear people talk about a lot and it's kind of quirky and I understand some people might not if they're, you know, fans of classic ease music, I don't know how they'll feel about this one, but I love this music. Yeah, it's not one of the scores that immediately jumps to mind. It's not one of those sort of perennial listens that you, you know, pull out of the drawer and examine time and time again. It's not one that I think a lot of people probably have tremendous nostalgia for. But I think it's absolutely a soundtrack that warrants a second, third, fourth listen. Absolutely. Because there's so much detail here. I mean, there are the tracks 
like the Stormy Town, for instance, you know, that are just so classic melodically and are really satisfying. And that yeah. Oasis track and Niena that we've talked about that are just what excellent melodies um, that sort of do exactly. And I think this piece of music, too, is so gorgeous and sensitive and does everything we want from a JRPG track. Yet there are those really experimental, edgy compositions that are constantly riding that line between satisfying and shocking. Yeah. Um, and it's and something that Uematsu has definitely become a master of. And so, again, there's a lot of inspiration, I imagine, from the Final Fantasy series in the score. There just Well, it's interesting. <laughs> we just did that Final Fantasy kind of spotlight a couple episodes ago. And yeah. this soundtrack sounds more Final Fantasy than those ones did. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's those were side games, and so they're kind of a different musical world. But it, it is... When it comes yeah, to, like, the, at least so the SNES Uematsu. era... Well, guys, we're going to play you out with one of the most exciting, joyous tracks on the entire episode. It's fittingly called Farewell, so stick around for this one. It's really good. Again, from East 5. Definitely look forward to next week. We have a really special and unique episode coming at you with a fantastic playlist of music. So don't go anywhere, guys. You're, you're going to want to tune in next week. Don't want to give it away. Um, Will, anything else you got to plug at the end? I don't think so. I uh, just, yeah, th- I want to thank everybody for their uh, comments about last week's episode. People seem to really enjoy having Travis on the podcast, and we just had a blast sure. getting to talk with him. So we definitely want to have him back we'll have him on for again. another episode topic. I'd love to find some way of getting into like a really jazz heavy score that he could kind of speak to some of his that knowledge really and fun. expertise um, in playing and, and stuff. I, I just think it would be interesting and. Uh, I know he has some uh, kind of video game jazz arranging projects um, that he's been working on and in the pipeline. So it might be fun to have him come back and talk about one of those at some point. But yeah, absolutely. People seem to really enjoy that episode. Quick little plug here for me. Uh, Your guys, if you're listening to this when it comes out, it is February 1st. This coming Friday, February 5th, I'm putting on a chiptune compilation album from music that I've submitted to Battle the Bits from April 2020 to January of 21 uh featuring some really fun artwork by carlos as always so look forward to that we're going to have i think on that day there's going to be a listening party and then it will be up on Bandcamp. so check that out if you like and if i'm correct diverse is that chip tunes <laughs> is that your dog coco wearing sunglasses it is on a genesis it controller be. it might be yes it definitely it definitely is <laughs> that's exactly what it is so if you want to see that art check that out um i think that's about it we'll be back with you guys next week thanks so much for listening Enjoy farewell. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out.